0: You say that the miners have rebelled against their proper rulers, but Gebek here says that the nobles have cheated them of their rights. You say that the doctor here is a spy and a saboteur, but the ambassador says he is an old
1: and valued friend. You say that your god appears to you because he is angry, but the doctor here is sure that the appearances are caused by trickery an excellent summing up Commander Azix
0: here. <music> Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today, we are going to be watching The Monster of Peladon. Aren't you excited, Caleb? (sighs) I'm excited because Curse of Peladon is in my top five. I know you don't like Peladon, though. (laughs) (laughs) I do not. The Monster of Peladon was written by brian hales directed by lenny main produced by barry letts and aired march 23rd 1974 to april 27th 1974. mr hales has worked with us before i'm gonna ask you to guess but i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little bit better of like having it narrowed down he has written uh five stories before and one of them was in your bottom five for the second doctor oh fuck <laughs> oh god um am
1: i supposed to guess which one's from the bottom five
0: i just get, guess an episode that he he has written mm. what was my bottom five <laughs> uh, <laughs> i like that i have your bottom five written down but you don't know <laughs> <laughs> just jettisoned in <into> the space <laughs> um so, see what's what's really funny is the reason i have your top and bottom five written down is because like when we're done with classic i want to do a look back and like do our overall top and bottom five and like i'm like caleb's not gonna remember his top and bottom five so i have it written it yeah you. there's no fucking way <laughs> not even a little perfect example of that i'm gonna
1: say god what was my least favorite in, uh, and like i'm really good about repressing things
0: i don't like uh, that's the excuse i'm giving myself I'll give you this. Uh, your, top, your bottom five for the second Doctor was Abominable Snowman, Wheel in Space, oh. Seeds of Death, Space Pirates, and the Dominators. Oh my god, the Do- it was the <laughs> Dominators. It had to be. <laughs> Actually wasn't. Brian Hales has written The Celestial Toymaker, The Smugglers, Ice Warriors, Seeds of Death, and Curse of Peladon. Hmm. N- none of those were bangers. <laughs> I mean, again, I really liked Curse of Peladon. Mm. <laughs> you you didn't like it just because your xenophobia got the better of you and you're like mm, that thing's ugly let's kill it
1: <laughs> no there were some very deep-rooted problems with curse of Peladon. i think you're just choosing not to remember like you remember the absolutely thrilling old guy fight
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's one of its quirks I mean, I think it had a lot more good than bad. I think you're not remembering the good part <laughs> because you want to hate it so badly. Mm, maybe. Curse of Peladon is going to be in your bottom five just to spite me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Caleb, given everything you know about Doctor Who and given the title of this episode, The Monster of Peladon, what do you think this episode is going to be about? Based on the pattern of reoccurring places or reoccurring
1: villains, I think... That the Doctor and Sarah are going to show up during a peace conference. Or, no, not a peace conference, a war resolution. There has been a war going on, and they're meeting to fix it. And then there's a murder mystery element. And I think the Doctor is going to fight something.
0: And there's going to be gross aliens I don't like. Well, it's a safe bet that there's going to be gross aliens you don't like. Especially (laughs) since one of the thumbnails spoiled for you that Alpha Centauri is going to be here so like you know already know for a fact that there's going to be <laughs> gross <laughs> aliens you don't like uh,
1: but no but based on I'm I'm just going to say it's probably going to be paladon again okay
0: that's a safe bet honestly <laughs> that's how it usually works well i suppose on that note we will see you all in the future let's get going <laughs> And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was three weeks <laughs> for us.
1: Boy, howdy, we were we were chopping at the bit to get to this one. Well,
0: I I actually kind of liked this episode, but it had been so long that um, since I had watched it because I always start watching it one a day after our last recording, and then it had been. Over two weeks since I had watched it, so I was like, "I'm gonna rewatch it." So I rewatched it last night and this morning, and it's not bad. It's not great. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> not good. <laughs> As we were talking before we started recording, it landed pretty high on my ranking list. It did not reach my top five, um, but it did rank pretty high in my on my list. I think that has less to do with Monster of Peladon being a good story and more just the third doctor having a lot of shit. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, okay, maybe I should move it down one, but my next ranking down is Invasion of the Dinosaurs, and I'm like...
1: "Ah."
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have not started editing Planet of the Daleks yet, but I'm going to start editing it soon and I hope and I'm looking forward to it because I remember Planet of the Daleks being good, but I couldn't tell you why. <laughs> so I want to revisit it.
1: <laughs> we were also talking briefly about about what our top bottom fives vaguely might look like. And I have this instinct, speaking of Planet of the Dogs, that most of my top fives for the third Doctor are almost exclusively gonna be because they're four episodes
0: long. That's not a bad criteria for choosing. <laughs> Step one, was it four episodes long? <laughs> I-, I can tell you my number one is definitely definitely only four episodes. And so is my number three. And so is my number five. But uh, yeah, so general thoughts of the monster of Peladon. I- my first big general thought is that this episode and Curse of, the Pel- and Curse of Peladon Their titles need to be switched.
1: Yes. (laughs) A hundred percent.
0: The first one definitely seems more like the monster of Peladon. And this one definitely feels more like the curse of Peladon. And that will get very confusing (laughs) at some point. I don't know if it's going to be in this story or the doctor is out or what. But at some point, I am accidentally going to call this episode curse and the other one monster. My
1: general thoughts on this episode are... I was pretty... I feel vindicated in my prediction. It was Monster of Paladon again. There was a bit more of like a labor movement vibe to it. Mm-hmm. But broad
0: strokes, a lot of the story beats were the same. And a lot of the characters that they introduce... Are basically just kind of palette swaps of the last characters mm-hmm. we had to deal with. Yeah, I mean... Honestly, like, for the first two
1: episodes of this, uh, the person who's the chancellor or, like, the religious leader guy or whatever, I thought he was the same guy, and he just didn't age. I mean... I was like, wait, didn't he die at the end of the episode?
0: He basically is the same <laughs> character. He's less of, like, a villain villain, but he's definitely an antagonist, and he's just the worst. I I hated him... Peladon of Peladon did a very good job of instilling just an absolute jellyfish mentality in most things into his daughter. Mm -hmm. And she's the ruler of Peladon. And I was just like, I don't like you either. I don't hate you as much as I hated your dad. I'll give you that. I still don't like you.
1: (laughs) The big problem I had up front with this episode was the fact that she was his granddaughter at all. Because that man had no riz.
0: I think it's just his daughter,
1: uh, or no? He said granddaughter, wasn't
0: it? No, I'm pretty sure it was daughter. She she said that uh, he died when she was very young, and it was like I think said 50 years after. This is set 50 years after Monster.
1: Either way, makes no sense. The man had no riz, no charm.
0: No, there's no way he landed anybody outside of a planned wedding. It was probably a planned wedding. He he was king. Like it's pretty much. A, I'm gonna take. That person as my bride,
1: but the best and worst parts of the last episode was watching him flirt with Joe.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I the anytime I think about the uh, King of Peladon for more than five seconds, I'm like, I really fucking hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, on it's just
1: on the face of it, this episode about a Time Lord going to a planet and interfering with intergalactic politics and religions, uh instantly unrealistic
0: because there's no way that guy got laid. <laughs> there's no way that guy fucked. There's I refuse to believe. <laughs> Zero chance. Yeah, I th- I think some, the thing that probably helps this episode quite a bit is the workers' rights theme throughout this story.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Any any episode that like, has labor rights as a central theme to it,
0: instantly in the top half. Yeah, but... Uh, Let's go ahead and talk about those themes in more specific details, shall we?
1: Oh, yeah. I guess I should do the episode description. Monster of Peladon. Or is this Curse of This is Cur- No. no. This is-
0: yeah. This is Monster. This is Monster. Sorry. <laughs> God damn. We already did it. <laughs> right off the bat.
1: All right. This is Monster. Monster of Peladon. Episode 1. Um, I'm sorry. Part 1. On the planet Peladon, we see a bunch of miners working on some sort of machine. Was that hair always that stupid? Agador appears and kills one of them, sending the others into a panic. The TARDIS rematerializes in the same tunnels, and Sarah absolutely roasts the doctor for not getting the landing right. The pair are nearly arrested by guards, but Alpha Centauri intervenes. She explains that they have arrived at a tense moment. The Galactic Federation needs some sort of mineral being mined from Paladon, but the miners are making it difficult. Chancellor Ortron believes the appearance of Agador shows the gods' disapproval for filthy aliens on their planet. The Doctor and the Queen's champions go into the mines to explore, but Eddis, one of the minor leaders, causes a cave in. Now trapped, Agador appears, ready to kill the Doctor.
0: The episode opens with just like the citadel on top of a mountain and just like backlit by a storm, and just like a lightning bolt cracks in the background, and all I could think was Gentlemen, behold! <laughs> 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 dumb, dumb start this episode. <laughs> Perfect start to this episode, actually. And I liked that in the in the first time we were in Peladon, the only Peladonians that we met were like nobles, and all like the guards had their helmets on. But now we're fighting. Me- we're finally meeting basically Peladonian commoners and their hair is just as stupid except it's black with blonde streaks instead of orange with blonde streaks and i choose to believe that their entire cast system is based entirely on hair color <laughs> <laughs> i yeah, i was watching it i was like
1: there's no fucking way their hair was this stupid before i had to look it up cuz like i don't remember their hair being this dumb i was like no
0: no it was always that dumb <laughs> it was always that dumb it's just dumb in a different color <laughs> I couldn't get over it the whole time I was watching it. <laughs> and we meet a couple of other Federation aliens who are currently living on uh, Peladon. And there was one in particular that didn't end up being a major character because he dies pretty early. Uh, but they are from the planet Vega. And I chose to call them vegans in all of my notes. <laughs> and I was like, Caleb is going to hate the vegans. Uh, <laughs> which is true because Caleb just hates vegans. Yeah. <laughs> luckily he dies pretty soon but he's almost like he looks to me like what a centaur would look like if a centaur only had two legs which sounds like it would be a minotaur but it's not <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, and then you find out that the federation is apparently at war with galaxy 5 which I'm assuming is right next to galaxy 4 from, the fir- from First Doctor. <laughs> Which has been very relevant since they, they were first announced. <laughs> I'm still confused how an entire galaxy can be at war with an entire galaxy, but eh, it's whatever. It's fine. It's whatever. How do you feel about the world building in this story? I feel like a big,
1: and this is a cinematography thing, I guess. I feel like this episode really struggles with a sense of place. I really struggled understanding how all of these scenes connect to each other. And, like, there's one particular scene where we could talk about that. But, yeah. But I felt like the it, it did the classic Doctor Who thing of, like, I don't give a shit about intergalactic politics, not even a little. Uh, what were my feelings on the last Peladon episode? Because they're probably the same. <laughs> well, see, something that
0: bothered me a little bit is that, like, the villain's, like, the actual villain's main motivation is that they're trying to, like, They're trying to mine Peladon faster than it's already being mined, I guess. uh, So that they can sell those resources to Galaxy 5 as like a betrayal to whatever galaxy they're currently in, I guess. And it's all in effort for this, this war that's supposedly going on between the Federation and Galaxy 5. But it doesn't really feel like that's really relevant past Oh, our villains need a reason to be dicks. I mean, this is spoilers for the very, 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 very end of this story. But, like, the villain's schemes to get this mineral are thwarted and then the war just ends. And it feels Mm. like, why do we need this war going on? Couldn't The villains just want to be, like, rich.
1: Yeah, there's definitely, like, an overwritten... uh, And, like, this happens a lot, I feel. Where, like, there's just so much detail about things that are not relevant on screen. Yeah. And it's interesting that they would try and give the villains at the end of the story motivation, considering that they're just kind of dicks anyway.
0: They could have just come in and said, this is ours. We don't care about whatever politics you have going on. Yeah. Yeah, because like Alpha Centauri is supposed to be like the representation of like the the Federation and the goodness of the Federation, but Alpha Centauri is just as spineless now as they were in the first time we met them, and so they don't really do much of anything. And anytime they do anything, they kind of just crumple like a piece of paper with their if they're faced with any sort of conflict. I want Alpha Centauri to be the villain so badly. <laughs> That would have been hilarious. So badly.
1: I really have no other thoughts on it other than, like, it's... (laughs) It's the classic Doctor Who problem of, like, wow, we're getting a lot of information about shit that I really don't feel matters at all. Yeah. And it doesn't. And it makes the episode six episodes long instead of
0: four. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this episode would would have thrived a little bit better if it was more localized to just Peloton problems instead of roping federation shit into it like well because like there's already enough conflict
1: like there's already enough tension between like the miners yeah uh, mining this stuff and like wanting to not be treated like shit and this kind of outside force trying
0: to impose itself on this planet and its cultures yeah that, that's enough yeah that's enough they didn't need to add on this intergalactic war that is just kind of takes up time without actually being relevant
1: yeah because the the introduction of the new villains is also entirely unnecessary. Yes. I Agreed. It could have just been the conflict between the Federation wanting to basically do a colonialism and mine all the resources out of this planet and the citizens not wanting that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because it could have been interesting because in the last Paladon episode, the Federation was seen as like the obviously good thing. Like it is obviously good to join the Federation yes and then in this episode we've seen the bad parts of that that could have been interesting but yeah that it was just really boring
0: yeah because like it's even brought up a couple of times that like the federation has been very good for peladon nobles not so much for any of its proletariat <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's um so yeah that that should be where the conflict arose instead of a villain villain being introduced at a very late stage. And then the war being there. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Anyway, the reason I'm bringing up this, this, these broad strokes is because I'm about to get real fucking nitpicky <laughs> <laughs> because the doctor and Sarah, I almost called her Joe for a second. The doctor and Sarah exit the TARDIS and the doctor is a little confused as to where he is because uh, his scanner is broken and I'm like, don't fucking set foot outside the TARDIS if your scanner is broken, my dude. You could have set foot into, like, a toxic atmosphere or lava. Like, don't.
1: He's the doctor. He'll be fine. He's not a person, as he
0: frequently reminds us. One thing I do really like is it's a thing that uh, happens several times in doctor who and uh i continue to like it here i like when we return to a planet that we've been to other than earth and we kind of see some consequences of earlier stories we don't get that nearly as much as i would like but i do like it when it does happen because like the doctor is kind of almost considered a like a bedtime story to the queen because her father would tell her about it tell her about him as a child the chancellor is even like, there's not a person on Peladon who doesn't know the name of the doctor and uses that as evidence of this guy can't be the doctor. It's too, it's too common of an, it's too common of a, of a story. It'd be easy to just come up with that and claim to be the doctor, which is solid point. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, fair point. In, In the first Peladon story, an issue that was brought up a couple of times was that, um, women were not allowed to speak in the courtroom and that's still brought up several times in this story because like the chancellor only speaks to the doctor when uh, Sarah is present. He says that he's speaking to her master and like, I guess racism didn't go away when we uh, voted in a black president, but like your queen is ruler of Peladon I don't know. At least tone down the chauvinistic perspective when she's around. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> it just feels weird that they still have that men are superior to women kind of perspective when their leader is a woman. I, eh, eh, I don't know. Eh,
1: eh, I I agree, especially like in such a public way. Like now, Toronto was like. In a more private setting, more like that. Like, hey, like, yeah, we have to be nice when the Queen's around, but uh, shut the fuck up, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, I've been like, hmm, interesting dynamic. Yeah, exactly.
0: And she even brings up, the Queen brings up later that she's like, she gets treated like a child. And it's Ortron who who holds the real power. And um, it's, I don't know. I just don't think it really works because like the soldiers still follow her when she gives commands. It's just that her advisor is a piece of shit. And it just I don't know, feels weird.
1: Feels a little shoehorned. So which is was probably my broad critique of the way the show handles feminism. Is <laughs> like I don't feel like it actually has any feminist values or talks about feminist issues. It just kind of shoehorn like jams in a feminist sentiment randomly. <laughs>
0: Which, way, 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 way in the future, I'm going to be bringing up when we're at the 13th Doctor. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Spoilers for way further on. It just feels like, oh, phew, God, we have a female Doctor now, which means we get all the liberal points. Anyway. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) talk we'll talk about that more when we get there it's far off um <laughs> s- specifically here's another of my nitpicks is that she's referred to i forget what her name is i think it's like althea or something the queen's name is althea
1: the or something like
0: that yeah the there's an a an l and a th and i'm pretty sure it ends with an a i'm not sure where <laughs> all the letters go it's somewhere there anyway her father was called king peladon of peladon I figured she would have been referred to as Queen Peladon of Peladon. Like, it's not really, like, a a name necessarily as, like, when you take up the rule, you give up your identity and become Peladon of Peladon. And, but everybody keeps referring to her by Queen whatever her name is. And it feels... We like I like I thought I had picked up on a world building thing in the first one, and then it turns out no, that's not actually the thing. They just named him Peloton. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mac, you're uh, you're doing more work than the writers did. Caleb, we have consistently
0: established that I'm always <laughs> doing more work than the writers did. <laughs> there was a moment that I really liked because Alpha Centauri is um, a gender, and when. They come into the the throne room and they recognize the doctor. The queen is like, You recognize these people? And Alpha Centauri is, I recognize the doctor, not the female? Female. The female is unknown to me. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I, just, I just love the she has to check. It's like those things are called females, right? Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. The female. <laughs> I just thought that was a that was a cute little moment. <laughs>
1: My favorite part of this episode And probably the whole story Is when they first materialize And the doctor's like We're in the Citadel The uh, the bastion of uh, culture Here on Peladon And they come out in a tunnel And Sarah's just like You fucking clown You have no idea where you are And just continues to roast him The whole time Until they get chased by guards
0: Yeah, and I do like the moment where um, She's like Doctor, we're lost Can we please just go back to the TARDIS And he's like No, we can't. For two reasons. One, I want to check in on my friend the king to make sure he's okay. And two, you're right. We are lost. (laughs) (laughs) Is it just governmental policy to appoint the shiftiest motherfucker in the room as the royal vizier? (laughs) It really feels like weirdly consistent that all of the royal viziers are... make Jafar blush. And also... That apparently all of the champions of the throne are mute. Mute and at least 50. (laughs) (laughs) At least this one looks like he has some muscle on him as opposed to the last one. Yeah, that's true. Oh my god, the last (laughs) champion. And again, this is me reading way too much into it. I was like, when you devote yourself to be a champion of the crown, do you have your tongue cut out so you can't betray the ruler that would be a cool thing that's that's my headcanon for why both of the champions have been mute <laughs> the champion in this story doesn't last past the first part but still <laughs>
1: <laughs> he did say
0: nothing the royal vizier is so bad at dealing with commoner problems that it really feels like he's actively trying to incite a civil war and i thought that was going to be the plot twist i thought like he wanted to incite a civil war so he have an excuse to uh exterminate all these filthy black and blonde haired people uh that's not the case but it feels like he was handling it so bad that that had to be the twist
1: yeah i i very much felt like he was looking for a reason to just stamp out the rebellion uh maybe not go full genocide mode but uh he's definitely just looking to take the strong hand approach i gotta
0: nothing else to say on it he's a piece of shit so he's a piece of shit who seems to hate all aliens but enjoys the benefits that the federation brings if only it didn't have all these fucking aliens attached to it and also the common people need to learn their fucking place yeah he uh yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, he look. He's a Republican. He just really fucking hates aliens, but not as much as he hates working people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this might be what I use as the as the intro bit for the for the story. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But the Doctor is basically getting the um, the update from uh, from Alpha Centauri of like what's going on on Peladon. And she keeps talking about... Or they keep talking about um, the miners are acting aggressive and barbaric and have been having uprisings. And then the doctor says when miners have to take up arms to protect their rights, they probably have a very good reason for it. And I was like, hell yeah! Hell All right, yeah. let's fucking overthrow the government! Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> and then I had... a. Uh, a theory that the spirit of Agador isn't actually killing anyone, it's just teleporting people away. Uh that theory was wrong. Nope. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> Toasted. The the way that the spirit of Agador is like killing people is just it seems like really lazy special effects even by even by the show standards. Cause they just like put their hands up and are like screaming in terror and then like the screen gets a little bit red, and then they just disappear. It just feels a little lazy. <laughs> Mac, they spent they spent all the budget on wigs. I don't know what to tell you. They might have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, a special order forty wigs.
0: All right, I'm, I'm ready for part two.
1: Episode two: The monster kills the queen's champion and disappears. The Doctor escapes and agrees to work with the Miners, but convinces them that they need to get back to work. Meanwhile, Ortron tries to convince Queen Thalir that the Doctor is trying to undermine her by working with the Miners. Sarah sneaks into the tunnels to find the Doctor and stumbles upon the refinery, where she sees someone mysterious inside. She is captured and ordered to be brought to the temple by Ortron. When the Doctor pursues, he throws both of them into the temple pit where they encounter a very real Agador.
0: Something that I forgot to bring up uh, last part, we're going to bring up now. I love Sarah's outfit. She's <laughs> she's still rocking that really sweet leather jacket, and she's got like a really comfy, cute sweater underneath it. I just dig her outfit in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of costuming, the stunt actor for John Pertwee uh, needs to be wearing a better wig because <laughs> it is not at all his hair color (laughs) so anytime the stunt actor is on screen it's very easy to tell (laughs) which this happened a couple stories ago didn't it uh where the doctor was doing
1: some kind of like kung fu god what story was it yeah but like (laughs) the stunt actor was very much not him yeah i don't remember what episode it was it might have been the time warrior Maybe, yeah maybe because they he had that fight in the kind of town square thing yeah uh i felt like it happened in a parking lot or some sort of concrete area but maybe not
0: yes there was yeah okay yeah 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 i think there was something similar in the green death yeah he was like green trying death. to sneak in and the guards catch him and he fights him off yeah Boy, there was a lot going on in this episode when we were like,
1: man, what was the other episode? (laughs) What was the
0: other episode where we saw the dude in the wig? (laughs) I do like how I forget what specifically Sarah did, but she, like, had a, a bold plan, and she ran out of the communications room, and Alpha Centauri says that these Earth females have a distressing tendency for rash action, and I like the callback to curse in that line. I also like the consistent characterization of Alpha Centauri just being a fucking neutral coward
1: <laughs> <laughs> this episode does break one of the cardinal sins for me which is which is when Sarah goes to the refinery and she sees someone inside and she meets the doctor and Garrick I think his name is one of the minor guys oh yeah yeah
0: and she's like there's someone in the refinery and they're like well you were probably just seeing things well I think Esterly or e- Ecker- Eckersley that was his name Eckerly yeah. Eckersley was um, is the first one to put forward is like oh no no you were just hallucinating because of the because the security system is um, like does like a, a mental assault on the person who touches the door and so he was like ah you're just seeing things because of the security system And she's like no no I I definitely saw it before the security system and it's like oh you only think you did like at least the at least the spoilers main yeah. villain is the one who's gaslighting Sarah fair fair point at least at least he is at least he actually doesn't want her to go in there speaking of Eckersley though he isn't played by Tom Baker the guy who plays the fourth doctor but he would definitely at least come in the top 3 in a Tom Baker look lookalike contest <laughs> <laughs> there were several times it's like you are you look and sound just like the fourth doctor right now <laughs> He's also, like,
1: flagrantly evil from, like, the first time you see him in episode one. He's wearing this, like, latex
0: one-piece getup. Yeah. Where the collar comes all the way up his neck, and you know that's a fucking villain outfit. I mean, that's a villain outfit through and through. Um, And he also (laughs) just has just that, like, the shifty-eyed dog from Simpsons moment a couple of times. (laughs) (laughs) The Doctor is, like, sitting down with the Miners and is explaining, and is, like, if you just get back to work now, we'll we'll talk with the queen and we'll get things working working better. Uh, you just have to you just have to be patient. Just get back to work now and I promise. And I'm like I understand that the doctor is trying to keep the workers safe and trying to keep everything running smoothly. Uh, that being said, seize the means of production, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and better idea. Why don't we make it impossible to work? Why don't we break
0: all the equipment? How about we just don't work until conditions approve? How's that for an idea? <laughs> <laughs> this is the Praxis episode. <laughs> Trying to like going through my notes, like is that relevant? No, is that relevant? We've already talked about that. Is that relevant? Eh. This episode's a big whole lot of nothing. I do I do like how uh, Alpha Centauri does m- say that uh, they refer to them as the Pells, which I. Guess is a way of referring to people from Peladon. Sure. It said, the Pels still do not trust us. They are still very resistant to progress. And then Sarah says, yeah, because they're not getting anything out of it. <laughs> and then I make the note, sub notes of, I'm pretty sure Caleb is actually going to like this episode just based on how pro-union and worker revolution it is. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that did
1: help a lot of things hold the episode back from being enjoyable though. Yeah. I definitely like the underwater menace. This is like not the underwater menace. It's the underwater uh, menace.
0: When they when they, they shame the the fish people <laughs> yeah. into okay, <laughs> okay, doing okay, the Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was you know underwater what, menace. When they bully them into it. Yeah, yeah
1: no. <laughs> I'm glad you knew exactly where I was going. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Of course. What's the like revolutionary guy who like is a bit of a dick? But also kills people by the end of it. Is it Edis? No. Yes. Edis. Yeah. Yeah, he's the kind of like foaming at the mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's
1: definitely more of a "we should just kill everyone empowered"
0: <laughs> type of revolutionary. Yeah, he is like holding Sarah hostage and is demanding that Alpha Centauri open up the armory doors. Alpha Centauri is like only Eckersley knows how to open the door. Turns out you open the door by flipping one single switch. <laughs> and I, I don't think Alpha Centauri is physically capable of lying, so I think it genuinely is like, I don't. Is it the one that says armory door? Is that the one I switch? I'm not sure. I need someone's. I'm only an elected official. I can't handle this myself.
1: <laughs> God, I hate Alpha Centauri so much.
0: But then uh, Sarah is held captive by the workers and is being taken down into the tunnels and then she escapes and less than one second later she is then taken captive by the palace guards is like arrested because she was clearly in cahoots with the workers and it reminded me of that part in a hunchback of notre dame where the one guy, like, gets knocked free of the gibbet. He's like, I'm free! I'm free! And then traps and lands into the stockade. He's like, ah, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sarah yeah. in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I say, no, seriously, do they only hire exclusively awful people as royal advisors? And then, like, father-like daughter, the queen is like, I believe Sarah is innocent. Oh, darn, but they took her to the temple. Oh well, there's nothing I can do if shes in there. Orton's authority is absolute there. I was like, just fucking kick down the door. Shut up. It's like, <laughs> I really want to help Sarah. I believe she's innocent. Oh well. God, I
1: wish I could do anything. Actually, the more I'm talking about this episode, uh, the more I'm enjoying it because it's uh really highlighting the uh, the flaws of passive liberal leadership.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh this episode really is praxis yeah and th- then she says "The oh i wish i could do something but everyone here just sees me as a child and i'm just like yeah and just act like a r- you are you are really your father's daughter and i mean that as an insult <laughs> <laughs> you know what would make you not seem like a child Execute a guy or two. Yeah, Make an example. Kill your advisor. There's a good way to start. <laughs> Guard. Cut that guy's head off.
1: Not, not even someone who deserves it. Just a rando. <laughs> Alright, well
0: maybe not that, but like... Eh, <laughs> I feel like we could have a couple of uh, rulers of Beladon who are questioning you that don't really need their necks. Put it on a spike. And then... The cliffhanger is not a cliffhanger because like we know that Agador is friends with the doctor zooming into his face and having him go roar is not a cliffhanger. Like if you've seen the first Peloton episode, you know, this is not a threat, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which I feel
1: like maybe television at this time, maybe really depended on the fact that you didn't because have they been is syndication a thing at this point? Can you watch reruns or buy VHSs? I don't know. It's a good question. Because if not, there's a distinct possibility that they didn't.
0: I know that at the very beginning of this show, the fact that they reran the first episode because the JFK assassination happened, and so they were very overshadowed by that by that important thing. So they ran a rerun of the first episode before going into the second one of unearthly child. And I know that was a big deal because they barely ever did it, but I feel like it was around that time that reruns started to become a thing because Lucille ball that really made like I with I love Lucy made it a more common thing of reruns happening. I don't know if that was, I might be talking entirely out of my ass. I feel like I'm getting some historical facts wrong, but I think reruns started to become more of a thing during this time. I don't know if VHS releases had been a thing yet, but... All I'm saying is there actually is
1: distinctly a non-zero chance of no one seeing anything of Peloton before this. That is,
0: that is fair. That is fair.
1: They have the stunning, incredible streaming service known as BritBox with <laughs> over 15 incredible British shows
0: bbc give us money we i'm pretty sure we're your only subscribers at this point with at least 15 good ones there's gotta be 15 good ones somewhere in there right i mean i haven't watched any of them but i'm assuming there's at least 15 <laughs> 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 on the watch list we have for brit Fo- for BritBox. there's literally only one other show on there that i added which was red dwarf and i still haven't gotten around to watching more than just two episodes of it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, part three. Anyway, part three.
1: The doctor soothes the beast just like he did the last time. Valera has them drawn out of the pit and agrees to work with Gabak and the miners to reach a resolution. Ortron arrests the doctor in the tunnels, accusing him of working to start a rebellion with the miners. Eckersley, one of the aliens from the Federation, sets up a sonic laser in the tunnels. The miners go full revolution mode, and Sarah tells Gebeck that the queen wants to meet with him. Gebeck sneaks into the dungeon to free the doctor, and together they make their way to the refinery. As Ortron tries to soothe the rebellion, the spirit of Agador appears again and kills another miner. At the refinery, the doctor gets the
0: door open to reveal an ice warrior. Bam, bam, bam! So, full disclosure the day that I watched this, it was on my lunch break, in which I had to wait an entire hour to get my sandwich and milkshake. Um, And so I was kind of in a bit of a hangry mood when I watched this one. So not only do I not have a whole lot of notes, most of my notes are very bitter. (laughs) (laughs) This episode came out before Return of the Jedi. So I choose to believe that this definitely inspired the Rancor pit scene. (laughs) Because they're trapped down in a pit that is just an execution pit where they just throw someone down with a vicious monster. Uh, the difference here is that the monster just need, needed a lullaby saying to him and he was fine. I really wish in Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker tried that <laughs> and the core just ripped him in half.
1: <laughs> and
0: yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this episode if I'm going to be perfectly honest.
1: There's not really a lot to it. There's a lot of talking
0: and people trading places and boy howdy is that it and at one point um sarah is left behind with the queen because the doctor wants her to talk to the queen at least a little bit about women's lib as sarah calls it and it's kind of bizarre that she has an entire scene talking about how women are just as good as men and then in the next scene Sarah goes into the communication room to tell the doctor something important. And the doctor, like, doesn't even look at her and just puts his, puts his finger up and says, Not right now, Sarah. And continues his uh, conversation that he's having with someone else. And I'm like, it feels like you're trying to have your cake and eat it, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a, a broad critique I would have of the third doctor is he feels more sexist than the second doctor. Yeah yeah that that's
0: that's been my broad critique of the third doctor the entire time (laughs) (laughs) um i'm not saying i'm ready for this doctor to go now but (laughs) like at first it just seemed like he was more of an asshole in
1: general to everyone but the longer it's gone on the more apparently sexist it
0: has become yeah (laughs) and then i then i make the note of I had to wait an hour for my food during lunch break, so I'm in kind of a hangry mood. But I do think my anger is justified at this fucking vizier guy. <laughs> God damn! Like, he's he's really annoying. Like, earlier when Sarah was being held captive by the workers, and then she escapes, the vizier is like, Ah, so you were working with the workers the entire time. I see you were in cahoots with them. I'm like, No. Asshole! Like, you caught her so immediately that you had to have been in the same hallway as, as her. You saw that she was being literally dragged away. But, like, he keeps doing shit like that of, like, he's already decided that the doctor needs to die, even though his god has literally just been nuzzling him a couple of minutes ago. And it's just it's really fucking frustrating after a while because he just he has the one note Mm -hmm. and at one point even the vizier says that the actions of a female are of little importance in reference to something that Sarah was doing and I'm like again like if you're a chauvinist asshole that's fine but you are literally saying that to your queen have some kind of tact Pick a type of tact and have it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just,
0: well, I'm just asking for literally the bare minimum social <laughs> grace. And the doctor, like, tries to go a bit down into the into the mines. And the the vizier sees that as all the evidence he needs that the doctor is their enemy and throws him into prison, despite the fact that both his ruler and his god have both, both signed off on him. But, uh, he's thrown in the prison, and then Gebek goes down into the prison to try and break the doctor out, and the doctor, like, calls the guard over to the bars and, like, does, like, a coin magic trick to, uh, distract him, and then says, ah, there you are, Gebek. And the guard turns around and sees that Gebek is sneaking up on him, like... Was the point of the magic trick not to distract the guard so that Gebek could come up behind him? Why did you draw attention to Gebek after the magic trick was done? I don't... He was just bored. (laughs) (laughs) Was the magic trick unrelated? Did you see that Gebek was coming up to rescue you and then just... You know what? I think I want to do a coin trick. I'm just kind of in the mood.
1: (laughs) The Doctor's just a wild card. I mean, how is he going to be unpredictable if he does things like
0: make his allies' lives easy? (laughs) Uh, And then they're sneaking into the refinery, and the Doctor actually uses the sonic screwdriver as a screwdriver. Holy (laughs) shit. And then, wha-bam, Ice Warrior, because you know what this story needed? another layer another fucking layer look i love the ice warriors i've gone on record saying that the ice warriors are like my favorite alien species we've had to deal with so far we we didn't need them (laughs) they didn't need to be in this story (laughs) which is largely how i feel about
1: almost every main doctor who villain they usually show up at some point where i'm like this is not necessary they could have just not been here yeah or the episode could have
0: just been about them and not all this other stuff there were some times when, like the Ice Warrior Commander that we're going to be meeting in next episode, there were some times in which I I really liked him, but those moments were few and far between. As opposed to just like you're just kind of taking up taking up time, and you don't need to be here. There was there was already enough conflict. You didn't need to you didn't need to add to it. Now we got Lego hands no. and hissing to deal with. Luckily the one who talks the most doesn't have very much hissing to his voice, so Yeah, he sounds more raspy than he does hissing. Yeah, it's kinda like in the last Peloton episode where like the commander who did most who had most of the lines talked relatively normal, if not a little bit raspy. And but all of his subordinates were the ones that were like Shh every other second. Yeah. So <laughs> Episode four. Episode four. Episode four. The Ice Warriors are
1: well, hang on. I wrote this line, but now I'm not sure it's true. Were the Ice Warriors part of the Galactic Federation? Yeah, they it were. It seems... Okay, I was just making sure. Yeah. So, I was confused by the instant betrayal. <laughs> the Ice Warriors are part of the Galactic Federation. The Ice Warrior leader, Azaxir, declares the planet under martial law and wants all of the, all of the trisilicate mind. He places the Doctor and Gabic under arrest. Instead of having him executed... Azaxir agrees to have the Doctor negotiate with the Miners, but the Pals are firmly against the Ice Warriors. The Doctor tries to beat the Ice Warriors by warming up the tunnels, but Azaxir figured the Doctor would try to pull something. Edis, now mad with power, wants to use the Sonic Lance to destroy the Citadel. The Doctor races off to stop him. The two struggle, but the Doctor ends up losing to Edis, and the man sets off the Sonic Lance.
0: First off, definitely need to bring this to everyone's attention. The commander or whatever his name is, he has a cape, and the cape is really cool. Cool. We need more capes. Now that we've established that very important fact,
1: (laughs) it's, like, made of,
0: like, emeralds and sequins, and I'm just like, ah, it's cool, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I do also appreciate the fact that they keep referring to, like, the entrances with, like, the, like, they move the torches on the walls and like a door opens and they keep referring to it as like secret tunnels down into the mine but like it's so commonly used by literally every single character that it's not a secret tunnel anymore it's literally just like the regular roads into the citadel at this point (laughs) like I don't know why they keep like drapery like in front of the tunnel entrance now because everyone just fucking uses it as as, like a side door (laughs) I also really appreciate I don't remember if it's in this part or a future part, but at some point uh, Alpha Centauri says that uh, that the doctor has a very high standing in the Federation and he has a very unique position within the organization. And Azak slair is like, OK, so you have his credentials then. And Alpha Centauri is like ah, about that. <laughs> and I'm just kind of curious how the doctor got such high standing in the Federation, considering he was revealed to be an imposter last time he was here, <laughs> and should be just, like, considered untrustworthy based on that fact alone. <laughs>
1: based on everything the doctor's ever done, ever, he should be on the Federation's most wanted list. <laughs> Arrest this man on site. <laughs>
0: And then everyone agrees that the Ice Warriors martial law is like such a dick move that uh, all of the Peladonians come together at once, and they come up with a plan to throw them off the planet. And it really just feels like Gebek is like, "I'm looking out for my workers. We need to we need to get them off the planet because this is going to be really bad for us." And then Ortron is just like, "We need to get them off this planet because, yeah, just look at them." <laughs> <laughs> Their hands. <laughs> Look at their Lego hands and their green skin. And have you heard them breathe? Ugh. <laughs> I can't take it. Again, like there are parts of the story in which like the ice warrior mentality that I really like shines through a little bit. Where like, we have the means to destroy your planet. We don't want to do that. We would rather this just be a peaceful mining operation. ...that is being... ...maintained by us. We don't want to shoot you... ...but we will shoot you... ...if you give us a reason to shoot you. And, uh... ...Eddis breaks into, like, the throne room... ...to attack the Ice Warriors... ...and, like, the Ice Warriors instantly, like, shoot... ...almost all of them down. And he's like, see, that's... ...that's an example of something we don't want to do... ...but can... <laughs> He's just like, <laughs> I I have genuine, sincere apologies that I just had to do that. And I am hoping that I will not have to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, we want peaceful martial law. We want peaceful martial law, and you're making that very difficult right now. <laughs> All we want
1: is just a happy, fun police state. Is that so
0: hard? <laughs> and you know, it's revealed later that that uh, Azek's Slayer is, like, actually, like, a leader of a separate sect of Ice Warriors that are more conservative and want to go back to the war and glory mentality that Ice Warriors used to have before they were this peaceful race. Boo! <laughs> so, like, he is a dick, but there's just, like, just a little bit of the extending peace with one hand while still maintaining your hand on your pistol with the other that mentality that i've always liked about the ice warriors it's just that this one's actually like oh you breathed wrong bam (laughs)
1: look guys i don't want to kill you i just want to mine your planet for everything it has and leave and leave you in destitution and if i have to kill you that's gonna be a lot more work for everybody right so just let us do it no one likes paperwork
0: (laughs) I know I don't want to do paperwork and I know you don't want to make me do paperwork. So, like, let's just peacefully enslave you. <laughs> 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 and then I forget what the context is, but I do remember at some point Sarah being angry and the doctor just, like, petting her head. And it... Oh Can yeah. you <laughs> not? Can you please not? Just for a second... <laughs> in general i don't like the doctor
1: touching his companions yeah
0: yeah but when he does it in such a fucking patronizing way it's just, it just makes me feel icky and especially sarah
1: who's so like aggressively indignant to him all the time yeah <sighs>
0: okay um <laughs> there was this a really, really good moment where, like, they were being kept in the communication room Uh x did, like, a very thin threat to the doctor and then left. And uh Alpha Centauri, like, very loudly starts wondering what it is they should do! I don't understand what we should do! And then Sarah, like, brings her finger up to her lips to shush Alpha Centauri. But then Alpha Centauri just continues to talk loudly because... They have absolutely no idea what that means because they have neither fingers nor lips. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're doing with your appendage. I don't know what you're doing with your hands. Is that what they're called? I'm not sure. I haven't really learned all the minutiae of the biology yet of humans. (laughs) (laughs) Even though every other alien I interact with is humanoid. And they're all so weird. (laughs) Weird. (laughs)
1: <laughs> this is the episode where i i can't mention that i feel like there's no sense of place i don't actually understand the geography of paladon yeah because they want to use Ed- edis wants to use the sonic lance to blow up the citadel mm. the sonic lance is in the tunnels but he
0: presumably aims it at the citadel from what i can understand He, like, dragged it up to a nearby mountain and then in a cave on the mountain like, has it aimed at the citadel and he's going to, like, turn it up to 11 and blast the citadel to destroy everybody inside. But it still just looks like the tunnel. It just looks like the tunnel. My, My main issue with that is, like, how did he get it up there so fast? And then the doctor comes to, like, confront him and like how did you get up the mountain so fast and also know exactly where to go because i i agree with you it just seems kind of weird
1: yeah and, and like that's a broad critique i have of it just in general it's like i don't really know where anything is
0: <laughs> it's either tunnels communication room or throne room and the tunnels are yep. just like we'll shoot fr- we'll shoot in this set but from a different angle And now we're in a completely different tunnel. And
1: it's like, I don't know where the temple is. I don't know where it is in relation to the Citadel. Is it in the
0: Citadel? I don't know where the tunnels lead. I don't know where the Sonic Lance is. (laughs) It's like, there's tunnels, I think, are below the Citadel where they're mining the trisilicate or whatever it's called. Where tunnels should be. Yes. But then, like, there's also the secret tunnels that no one knows about, that lead into the Citadel. And it just feels like... At one point, are you no longer in the mining tunnels and then officially move over to the secret tunnels? <laughs> the head cannon is
1: Pelodon, Peladonians don't have a word for hallways. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, these are the tunnels. And the tunnels that are in the Citadel, those are the
0: secret tunnels. So the Ice Warriors are overlooking the Pels as they're mining and part of the, the strategy of getting rid of the Ice Warriors was like turning up the heat and I'm like do the mines have central heating how does that work <laughs> <laughs> why do the mines have central heating <laughs> I was very very confused by that and it, it confuses me because when the Ice Warriors first arrive it seems like their original plan, like the vizier and Gebek, their their plan was, if it seems like everything's running smoothly and there are no problems, the Federation no longer has a reason to keep the Ice Warriors there, and then they'll leave the planet. That seemed like to be what the original plan was. It's like we'll play nice and go and make sure everything is running smoothly, so that it gives the appearance that everything's fine, then they'll leave and we'll go back to killing each other. That was my understanding of what the plan was. But apparently the second phase of that plan was turn up the central heating and then beat the shit out of the Ice Warriors, which (laughs) feels counterproductive to the first phase of the plan. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, there's the big revolution against the Ice Warriors and the doctor needs to go uh, stop Edis from from activating the sonic lance and blowing up the citadel and Sarah says she'll go with him and the doctor basically has a moment of just like, no, 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 me going to fight one guy is far too dangerous. Here, Sarah, go with Gebik, who is currently in the middle of orchestrating a military coup. You'll be safer with him. I'm like, "Eh, I disagree. (laughs) 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 okay then the doctor i love it when my notes can make me laugh my the doctor uh the doctor goes to confront edis and tells him to turn off the sonic lance and edis just like crazy-eyed just like you're working for them you've sold out i'm like i prefer your earlier work doctor when was the last time you called someone dear boy (laughs) (laughs) But, like, no, seriously, Edis has always hated the Doctor because he's an alien. So why is he suddenly of the opinion that it's like, you're not on my side? I'm like, yeah. I've never been on your side. I don't know why this is a (laughs) revelation for you. (laughs) At no point did I say I was. (laughs) (laughs) This, This is me continuing to nitpick to high heaven. Because just in line with your complaints about Sense of Space... Do they just have a security camera set up in the one cave on the mountain opposite the citadel that they just happen to that Edis just so happened to have set the lance on? Because like they flip through all the cameras and then land to where the doctor and Edis are having their sword fight, and like, why did you set up a security camera in some random ass cave that's in a completely different mountain? Why? Why are we able to see this right now? (laughs) I know it's it's so fucking nitpicky, but it was bugging me so much during that whole scene. (laughs) You're like, why? The money,
1: (laughs) the cost of doing something like that. Also, why does Paladon have security cameras but not fucking guns? (laughs) Uh, On the list of me being vindicated, saying it's Curse of Paladon again, Agador, check. Passive leadership, check. Extremely zealous for no reason. Religious leadership, check. Extended old man fight, <laughs> check, check, <laughs> check, 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 check.
0: <laughs> yeah, and this is probably one of the parts that's the most obvious that Pertwee has a um, has a stunt double. It's like for pretty much almost this whole fight, like it's just a dude in a very off gray wig. Fighting Alphedis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird, because, like, they're watching the security camera. You know, the security camera in the random-ass cave. And I think it's it's Commander Clear, Sarah, and Alpha Centauri who are watching this. The commander is, like, talking for a while while they're watching this. And he basically reveals that, A, they suspected that someone might steal the lance... B, they put a self-destruct sequence on the lance just in case. C, that will happen if anyone uses the lance. And D, that self-destruct will then kill pretty much anyone nearby. And it really, you could just kind of feel, maybe this is just like my actor intuition speaking here, but you could just feel like Elizabeth Sladen the whole time was staring at the camera, at the screen, trying to figure out when exactly... He's listing all this bad shit. Is she supposed to look over horrified that the doctor might die? It's like, do I do it there? No. Uh, 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 uh. Self-destruction explode. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> there, there's just my it felt like she didn't know what to do. <laughs> which is fun which is understandable because she's standing between these two costumes. So she's like, "How seriously am I supposed to take this?"
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling not very. <laughs> I cannot wait to get to the companion who is never afraid of the doctor dying. It's like he's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I was like, "Oh, that room blew up. Oh, it filled with noxious gas. He's fine."
0: Uh, it just made me think of a Part in Red versus Blue, but I'm not bringing it up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i really really just want a tire uh companion who's just tired of the doctor
0: <laughs> we might get that i don't know because i feel like if any companion figures out that he just regenerates when he dies at a certain point to be like "Eh, it's fine like he'll look different here in a minute when he dies a horrible death but it's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's who i
1: want <laughs> But I'm presuming that's why we have to recycle companions the moment he regenerates,
0: because... (laughs) Like, we have have some companions that, like, are there when they regenerate. Like, Ben and Polly. Ben and Polly were there when one turned into two. And then they were gone in the next episode. They weren't? They were around for a while.
1: Well, oh yeah, they were, so...
0: They were more of a second Doctor companion than they were a first.
1: Yeah, that's true
0: getting the timeline mixed up but they weren't around long enough ben and polly were such brief companions <laughs> it really feels like that doesn't it and I, I think maybe one of the main reasons why it feels like that is because so many of their stories were audio ones oh yeah that's true they, yeah they kind of get and also the fact that nobody knew how to write polly so it felt like she was hardly there even though the actress was there yeah <laughs> <laughs> And then in their goodbye episode, they just weren't there
1: for two-thirds of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, part five. Part five. The sonic glance goes off, and both men apparently die. Azaxir convinces Eckersley to lower the temperature. The doctor survives, though, and he and Gebik work together to get back to the refinery. Sarah, Alpha Centauri, and Thalira work to try and escape Azaxir. Alpha Centauri also explains that the Ice Warriors in Eckersley are actually working with the Federation's enemy, Galaxy 5. Sarah sneaks away and meets the Doctor and Gabek at the refinery. Ice Warriors appear and try to get inside as the Doctor furiously messes with the
0: controls. I do kind of like that it feels like they've turned the table on the Ice Warriors by turning up the heat, and they're like, Haha, you need cold to live. And then Commander Lear is like, "Haha, you need air to live." And he just turns <laughs> off the fence <laughs> in, the, in the mines. Like, let's let's see which one of us is going to outlast the other. <laughs> oh no, you made us sleepy. What if I just fucking asphyxiate you? <laughs> I, if I'm remembering correctly, I know we don't like see it, but I feel like it's referenced that the ice warriors just leave the mines. Like they leave when the heat gets turned up and then they turn the air off and the ice warriors are just like at every exit with rifles just like waiting. I'm like, that's fucking that's fucking brutal. I wish we could have seen that, (laughs) but we didn't.
1: (laughs) Also, I really I really wish the temperature thing would get used on the flip side. Like I would love it the temperature to get colder and the ice warriors go super saiyan.
0: That would be pretty cool. (laughs) <laughs> it's like the colder it is, the like they're no longer waddling around. They're just like speeding around like they just like chase after someone like a like a gecko on a on a wall. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, that would be cool. And uh, don't worry. Doctor's fine. Huge explosion happened like three feet away from him, but he's fine. Don't worry about it. I feel like a huge portion of this episode is just Alpha Centauri going,
1: uh, um,
0: uh. You're not wrong. But on that note, Sarah, I think Alpha Centauri? I don't remember if if AC was there or not. But Sarah, the Queen, Advisor, Ortron, and someone else, um, they were all stuck in the throne room that was being held under guard by the Ice Warriors. And they're like, we need to figure out a way to get out of here. How do we do that? And (laughs) Sarah turns to the Queen and says, Your Majesty, how well can you faint on Q? And I'm like, Sarah completely changes the course of Peladonian history by introducing the sick man routine. (laughs) 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 And, yeah. she And it's it's funny because, like, she doesn't even really, like, faint in front of a guard or something. Like, AC goes over to the ice warrior and says, hey, the queen is sick. And just looked over, and she's already, like, passed out on the floor. And just like, why did you ask her how well she can faint? Like, if you're just gonna... Be like, lay down.
1: (laughs) She was like, how well can you faint on cue? And she's like, oh, really easily watch. And then she just collapses. (laughs)
0: She's like, okay, so we need her to wake up and then we'll explain the plan to her. But other than ice, that was really good. (laughs) I'm impressed. (laughs) Call the ice warrior in and they do the thing that you do with the sick man routine. Except Ortron trips, I think. And then he's shot by the ice warrior. And the queen goes over to him and then gets cap and then gets captured. And it's just like it's treated as like this really sad thing that Ortron died. And I'm over here like, oh no, not the dickhead. What do you want me to say? <laughs> oh, oh no, the bad guy died. Oh no. Like, yeah, he was working with Gebek and the Doctor and everyone in order to get the Ice Warriors off the planet. But we, you and I, like, all of us know that the moment they leave, he was going to go back to, all right, well, let's put down this rebellion. Like, yep. <laughs> like he was not suddenly a very good guy. <laughs> I don't feel bad that he died, and it feels like the show wants me to feel bad that he died. <laughs> But he was a changed man. He was different for 20 minutes. He was different for 20 minutes. For convenience's sake, but he was still different. (laughs) And so I was a little confused because it felt like the villains were trying to do an altruistic thing. Because at first, I thought they were trying to get the tricycle to Galaxy 5 and like as a peace offering to try and end the war that way so like okay so they're doing a good thing they're just doing it in a dickish roundabout way kind of like how they did on um, on Planet of the Daleks it was Planet of the Daleks wasn't it no it was Death to the Daleks Sorry, can't imagine why I got those mixed up <laughs> anyway kind of like in Death to the Daleks where like they're doing dickish things but for good reason uh, no turns out they just wanted to sell it and make lots of money and continue the war and I'm like oh okay never mind those ice warriors
1: need cash money I
0: thought that they were going to have a nuanced motivation I'm sorry for expecting something from you (laughs)
1: listen do you know how much money it costs to run AC on an ice warrior ship
0: (laughs) fair (laughs) well at least that's what Eckersley Eckersley's motivation is he wants a shit ton of money and then will rule the Earth, presumably with that money. The Ice Warriors, at least this sect, just want to kill people. Like, they just, they want the Federation gone so that they can return to the old ways of Ice Warriorness.
1: I just love killing.
0: I just love killing. Were you as unsatisfied by the explanation of what that Spirit of Agador thing was as I was?
1: Yeah, because it didn't really explain
0: it at all. No, because, like, the best way I can explain it is they're able to project, like, a hologram of Agador in several different specific locations within the tunnels and also apparently are just able to spontaneously use some sort of heat ray through that. Hologram, I guess I don't know it was it was some pretty weak ass techno Babble, yep, even by Doctor Who standards. even by Doctor Who standards, and I did not like it. no, it's done through the refinery. we know that, and Eckersley was the one behind it, but and,
1: uh... yeah. yeah, much like a lot of the explanations in this story uh unnecessary and uninteresting and bad, <laughs> yeah oddly enough it was one of those story elements where I would have just accepted yeah the computer makes a projection and I'm like okay <laughs> I, I don't need all the explanation so yeah
0: yeah I'm okay I, I admit I'm kind of lost in my notes here of like who is where and doing what and who is on whose side and who knows what because it, it, it gets a little tangled a little bit somewhere in here
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is probably one of my biggest complaints about this it's just like I kind of have lost track of who knows what and is doing what for what reason i don't really know what's going on <laughs> what i do know is that um ac reveals to the queen that eckersley and isix are both traitors to the federation and they know all about their evil plans isix is just like huh you're very well informed. How do you know about all that? And uh, AC reveals that they were watching the security footage. Which, by the way, why do you have a security camera set up in the refinery if the refinery is where you're doing all the your evil schemes? Whatever. Anyway, the security <laughs> cameras are bugging me. <laughs> they reveal that they were watching it with Sarah and that Sarah went down to the refinery with the doctor. And it just, like why are you telling them all this? You shouldn't be telling them any of this. And it's just like, if I had a nickel for every time I had to change my mind because a group of ice warriors surrounded me threatening, like, I'd have two nickels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> and then my final note is here's Skell <laughs> because he's just like trying to burn through the door and like makes a little hole that he can pop through. <laughs> <laughs> he's so cute. Uh, yeah. Yeah, episode 6. The
1: Doctor summons the Agador spirit and attacks the two Ice Warriors. The Doctor uses the machine to defend the miners from the Ice Warriors, and he sends the spirit to the Citadel, where it fights with more Ice Warriors. The Doctor is then overcome by the machine's security system and passes out. Azax here holds the Queen hostage, but the pals overpower him and the Ice Warriors. Eckersley escapes, taking the Queen hostage. After awakening, the Doctor calls on the real Agador for help. The creature attacks the man, but both are killed in combat. Alpha Centauri informs them that, that Galaxy Five has called for peace, and the doctor and Sarah leave Paladon in presumably better hands than when they arrived. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: have some issues with this part. <laughs> First of all, let's let's all just um, let's all pour one out for the guy uh, playing Skell, the commander's second uh, second in command. Because his mask is not moving, <laughs> he is he is talking, but like the mouth just will not move no matter how much he tries, and I feel bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> so Eckersley sees that the doctor is in the is in the refinery and is activating the Agador spirit to fight back and stuff, and then from the communication room, Eckersley turns on the security system. And like is bombarding the doctor with with mental rays. And I'm like, What why did you build the communication room to be able to activate the security in one of your other rooms? I don't understand. I it just feels like such a specific thing that they needed to just kinda like pull out of their ass so that the doctor is having some sort of antagonistic conflict. force against them. Yeah, yeah, some sort of conflict. It just feels like it doesn't make any logical sense, but they just kind of needed it there to just kind of fit so yeah. they could do the the thing. Yeah, it sure does. And Sarah is trying to uh, sneak back to somewhere. I know the doctor sends her away from the refinery so that she wouldn't be affected by the bombardments anymore, but I don't remember what she was sent to do. But the most important thing is that there is a scene where an ice warrior is pacing back and forth in the same, like, ten feet of hallway. And Sarah waits for him to turn his back and then sneaks around and goes through a different hallway. And he never notices her go by. And I desperately need an edit of that scene that has the castle garden music from Ocarina of Time playing. (laughs) (laughs) Did you think the doctor was going to die in this episode? No. No? I didn't. It it felt like, just like with the bombardments and like the chaos of of the waves that were hitting him, it felt like he was going to die... Or, like, this was going to be a regeneration episode. I don't know. Like, I can see someone thinking this will be a regeneration episode. I guess I could
1: see that. I'm really hoping that the regeneration episode would be better.
0: <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, I,
1: was like, I was like, man. Because, like, obviously I've been thinking for a while that we're getting to the end of it. I was like, but it's going to be good, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> like even like the last because like, I didn't really like the war games that much. But the last, the back half of the, those stories is so good. Yeah, for obvious reasons, it's an ending episode or yeah. an ending of that Doctor. But yeah, I don't know. I think it will be good. Yeah, <laughs> or at least some kind of cathartic. But here, I was like, eh, of course he's gonna
0: survive. Yeah, Sarah goes up into the Citadel because. of because where else is she going to go? She grabs a gun from some downed ice warrior. No, from some downed workers. And she goes into the communications room to, like, point the gun at Eckersley to tell him to turn off the, the security. And he's like, all right, fine. I'll go ahead and turn it off. It's done its trick anyway, because the doctor is dead. And Sarah is just like, you're lying. And he's like, see for yourself. And Sarah just like goes over, gets real close to him, and is like looking at the screen, at which point he grabs the gun and points it at her. And I'm like, Sarah, don't fall for the look over there trick, you fucking idiot. Come on. <laughs> just shoot him. Speaking of just shoot him, Eckersley has the gun pointed at Sarah, tells her to turn around and put her hands up. And then, like, it's a close up of Sarah. And then you just kind of hear, like, door slam. And you see that the communications room doors have been uh, shut. And, like, she shakes it and sees that it's locked. I'm like, why didn't you kill her? Yep. Do you think you have a chance to tap that later? I'm not sure. <laughs> what exactly is your motivation for not killing this woman? <laughs> I'm confused. So much of the show's problems would just be solved by violence.
1: <laughs> For both the heroes and villains. Yes. A lot of the plot holes
0: would start making sense. <laughs> we would get shorter episodes. <laughs> I do like that um Gebek and his his squadron of workers and guards attack the throne room and the squad is able to is fighting Essex Lear. But Azek's Sleer is, like, going fucking toe-to-toe. It's 1v6, and, like, they're getting thrown away and shot and stuff. And I'm like, this this villain is kind of lame, but it's badass that he's able to hold his own in this fight. (laughs) (laughs) But then uh, he gets shot, and Alpha Centauri goes over and unlocks the door to the communication room, and Sarah is just, like, sitting there at the... Security camera terminal just, like, zoomed in on the doctor's, what she believes, dead face. And uh, she just, like, has her head down on the table. And AC is just like, hey, we've won! We were able to beat Essex's lair! We have control of the Citadel again! And Sarah's just like, great. Cool. And she starts walking down towards the refinery. And I just love elizabeth slayton's body language here just like her physical acting because she's like clearly just like dragging her feet down into the tunnels like does the goes down into the secret tunnels like does the torch thing to open up the door goes in the tunnel like raises her hands to do the torch thing on the other side to close the door and she just like drops her hands like who fucking cares and just like continues to walk on and I was like, "That's." I just wanted to showcase that it was really good acting there on Elizabeth Sladen's part. I liked, I liked her. Oh, I give up, kind of. Yeah. Non-verbal storytelling there. It's good. It was good. It was good.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. She's good. I like, I like Sarah as much as I can like female companions in this era. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> mostly because of the way they're written.
0: <laughs> because of the way they're written, mostly because of the way the Doctor treats them, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not bitter, you are. (laughs) But yeah, but...
1: When she meets the doctor again, and he's like, oh yeah, I was just in like a self-induced mental coma to recover. (laughs) Of course you were, doctor. Of course you
0: were. (laughs) Yeah, and like... She was like really surprised, like startled when he wakes up. And he's just like, oh, you're acting as if I... As if you just saw a ghost. And she's like, I thought you were fucking dead. And... He's like, "Oh, that, oh, that's nothing. I was just in a, a coma. Don't, don't be so, uh, don't be so melodramatic." And le- he like puts his his like finger and thumb like on her chin and like shakes it a little bit, and uh, then just leaves the room. And I'm like, "If I were Sarah, I'd be pissed." <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm the only reason I'm not currently killing you right now is because you're gonna take me home right the fuck now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Which again, leads maybe Sarah will end up being the companion because she's seen it like three or four times at this point. And at some point, I just want her to stop believing that the doctor will die. (laughs) Uh, I just want her to be like, oh, he fell into a vat of acid. Okay, I'll see him in 20 minutes where he gives me some fucking dumb reason
0: about why he survived that. I shed my skin and made an exact (laughs) copy of myself and that's what fell into the acid. I believe you. I believe you. Of course, <laughs> of course that's what happened, doctor. <laughs> so, I think probably one of my biggest complaints about this story is that all the villains feel kind of one-note or weak. Like the advisor was kind of just a dick. And then Azlexleer didn't really have a whole lot going for him. He had some cool moments, but like he was just kind of a, "All right, I'm martial law now." I almost would say that i liked eckersley because he was like deceitful and manipulative and was working behind the scenes to get what he wanted and he was kind of the most intelligent of all the villains in this story and i would have i would have said he was my probably my favorite one in this story and then When he says that he has a ship hidden on the other side of the mountain that he can use as a getaway, instead of just going to it, he then instead decides to take the queen as hostage and take her along with him to his ship. I'm like, you could have just left. That's just guaranteeing that someone's going to pursue you. Yeah, all you've done is just given a huge target on your back. If you had just left, they would have been like, ah, good riddance. But now it's like they have a reason to pursue you, you fucking dolt. It feels like he was a relatively smart villain and then just took some stupid pills Mm -hmm. in the last part of this episode. And it's kind of lame.
1: Yeah, the big struggle I have with this story is like it really just lacks focus yeah there's just too much going on and it doesn't really develop any of the villains well enough for me to care at all yeah like if it had just been well like we said before if it had just been the tension between the federation and the workers that's interesting enough to have a story i think yeah uh I agree. if it had just been the ice warriors just coming in and taking over and wanting martial law because i don't know they're assholes i guess that, that alone, uh, like, that's enough. Yeah. But I feel like, and maybe this is a critique I have of this Doctor in general, is, like, I feel like it really wanted to just rely on twists for everything. Mm. I was like, oh, it's actually this. Or, like, oh, you weren't expecting that, were you? I just didn't care. Yeah. I, I get it. Especially when I feel like this story, this Doctor in general, really struggled more with, like, oh here's the twist but the twist was in the title yeah like i know that was in the second doctor too but i feel like even then like even when we knew the daleks were going to be in stories with the second doctor there was something kind of novel about the conflict Mm -hmm. like power of the daleks like obviously we know the Daleks are going to be there obviously the thing in the spaceship is the daleks but then the Daleks don't just murder everyone instantly yeah
0: I have no idea where I'm going with this tirade. But. No, but it it's still a valid point, though. Just this episode in particular just not having a sense of focus and just mishandling of twists.
1: Yeah, I feel like it really relied on air quotes shock value of the Ice Warriors just appearing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which, like, I don't know about you, but it was less of a shocking twist that the Ice Warriors were there and more of... From the very beginning of the episode, we were on Peladon and we were dealing the Federation the entire time I was asking myself, where are the Ice Warriors? And mm-hmm. then the Ice Warriors appear, and it was less of a shocking twist and more of a, oh, there you are. Yep. <laughs> I guess on the on the note of shocking twists, Eckersley is going through the tunnels to uh, with the Queen in tow, and the Doctor has an idea of how they're going to find him. And they basically he gets Agador and is using him as a bloodhound and the people of Peladon are pretty chill to find out that a Agador is a real thing and b is being used as a bloodhound
1: <laughs> <laughs> also shockingly little reaction when the god of their entire world g- gets
0: got and yeah like- Yeah, that's another thing, because, like, uh, Agador like, attacks Eckersley, and Eckersley, instead of using the queen as a human shield, like, throws her off to the side, and, like, uh, (laughs) they start wrestling, and, like, Agador like, I don't... does a monster at him. It doesn't really show how exactly it is he dies, but, like, he kills Eckersley at the same time Eckersley, like, shoots him point-blank with the gun he was holding, and is like, well... Agador is dead. And then they're back in the throne room with the queen, like, sitting and, uh, standing in front of her throne with the doctor and Sarah in front of her. And it's just like, once again, Peladon owes you a great debt, doctor. Thanks to you, my main advisor is dead, and so is our god. How can we ever thank you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Doctor, thanks to you, our religion
0: has been proven to be a lie, and society will likely collapse. What can we do to repay you? (laughs) There was only a couple of miners, like Gebek and like one or two other miners with them when they were going down into the tunnels after it. So I really just wanted this, the implied scene of like, guys, you were not going to believe this. Did you know that there's a flesh and blood Agador? Like he's not just like a spirit or a god. And it's like, oh my God, Agador's alive? Well, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no. all right, good news, bad news. Uh, turns out Agador's real bad news is he's dead now <laughs> it must have been a mighty being that slayed our god yes <laughs> <laughs> most definitely now the story is focusing on a whole bunch of stuff that I don't want it to focus on I need to know how the Pels reacted to their god being dead <laughs> and being killed with a gun <laughs> Who needs courage when you have a gun? (laughs) Will we ever get through an entire episode of Quick Trip without ever once referencing Futurama? Find out next (laughs) next time. No, probably not. We almost made it this time. We almost did. Caleb had to fuck us at the end. And then Elvis and Tori waddles in and says, because the scheme to get the trisilicate is no more... Galaxy 5 just... gave up, and now the Galactic War is over. Hooray. Anyway... (laughs) Why was that a plot point? (laughs) If it was just gonna be completely swept aside with just a throwaway line at the very end... Did you seriously also put an entire galaxy's worth of eggs in this one single basket? Was the scheme to get some more trisilicate from this one planet the entire basis of whether you thought you could win this war or not? And also, did you not have a backup plan? Like, say, for example, an entire galaxy invading this one planet. That seems like (laughs) an option that's available to you. No? The war is over? Okay. Anyway, moving on.
1: (laughs) Whoopsie, this tiny, tiny microcosm in our greater conflict went wrong. Uh, we give up. (laughs)
0: Which, like, relatable. <laughs> yeah. This one tiny little thing went wrong. All right, I'm done. Yep. <laughs> Big mood. It turns out the leader of Galaxy 5 is just a millennial. <laughs> and then the Doctor and Sarah are heading back to the TARDIS. And there's a cute moment of... Because the Doctor was, like, offered the position of Vizier. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not nearly backstabby enough to be your Vizier. But then they hand it to Gebek, uh, who (laughs) is like, well, I'm I'm not the backstabbing type, but I guess I can give it a shot. (laughs) The doctor and Sarah have what starts off as a cute moment of like Sarah being like, well, doctor, I mean, you could stay. It's a government job with pension. I'd I'd hate to stand in the way of your career. Uh, And it's it's a cute little moment that is then immediately ruined by the Doctor pulling on Sarah's ear and telling her to get into the TARDIS. I'm like, can we please? Can we not? I'm begging you.
1: Just stop. We've had (laughs) enough. I feel like it happened more in this episode per minute than any other story.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it really did. I'm ready for trivia. If you are. Yeah. Lay it on me. Okay. Give me the hot trivia. In order to give this story, the same feel as, as curse. This episode had the exact same director, exact same writer, and all of the designers were brought back for this episode. And most of the props and costumes from last time had not been discarded, so they were reused as well. They tried to make it have the same feel as much as they could. And in an attempt to make this episode more authentic to the original, we used the
1: exact same script, the exact same <laughs> actors.
0: <laughs> as, as we've kind of alluded to a little bit, uh, John Pertwee had been hampered by extreme back pain during a lot of the filming of this, uh, so he relied on his his stunt actor a lot more than normal. Um, and, even, and he even had to step in for him a couple times during, like, regular shots. Like, not even action shots. Oh, wow. While recording the destruction of the Sonic Lance, the actor who played Edis was temporarily blinded <laughs> when a magnesium flare went off in his face. A oh, magnesium flare? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs>
1: uh yep so final thoughts i didn't really like the episode before and i think i like it less now the more we talked the more frustrating it was the apparent lack of cohesion the story had at least i could say curse of peloton had a distinct thing it was trying to do
0: yes uh, I'll reevaluate my rankings later. I'm not sure if it moves at all. For the most part, I like this episode. I think I just kind of... I like the Ice Warriors. I like Peladon. But, yeah, you kind of made some real good points about it just not having a thesis. And that kind of really hurt it. And, like, despite despite the
1: involvement of labor themes, uh, mm. I really feel like it took a backseat to nothing.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, I'll just go ahead and get back in the back seat. Hey, wait a minute. Who's driving. <laughs> <laughs> the, this, the story had a lot of moments of politics that I enjoy watching. Um, however, it almost feels like it kind of had too much of it at, to the point where like there were several moments in which I was like, I kind of lost, got lost in the weeds and kind of lost track of who was on whose side and for what reasons, which is kind of frustrating. And again, big fan of the Ice Warriors. That's all I've always been say- saying that. I just kind of... My favorite trope in anything ever is bad guys who become good guys. So having the Ice Warriors be on the good guy's side in the last Peloton episode was one of the things that made me enjoy that story so much. Having them pushed into a villain capacity again felt not great and kind of like it was, like, ruined their arc a little bit. It Also, the fact that they specified that, oh, no, no, it's just a very specific sect just feels, like, almost cheap. Yeah. I've I've said this before in this very episode, trying to have their cake and eat it, too. Like, Mm -hmm. we want the Ice Warriors to be good guys, but we also want the Ice Warriors to be the villains of this story. The Vizier was just unlikable. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the shallowness of this episode's villains is probably one of the things that holds it back. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to support us, the best thing you can do is give us five stars and tell your friends about us. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I think that's still around. <laughs> uh, and, you know, all the other major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram at Quick Trip Podcast. You can also check out Mac's YouTube channel, Mac the Math, where they do insightful videos about video games.
0: And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we watch what I'm sure will be Caleb's favorite episode in Planets of the Spiders. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> Don't worry, it's 1970 spiders. He should be fine. <laughs>